make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Sex for smart people. That means you. Oh, hi. Hello. Welcome to Sex for Smart People. I'm Dave, and my preferred pronoun is he. I'm Stephanie, and my preferred pronouns are she or they. My oh, I'm Bobby, and my preferred pronoun is she. And I'm Steve. My preferred pronoun is he. And I just—it feels like Christmas to have it's to have Bobby and Steve here. I'm so honored and excited to know them in life and to bring them into this conversation. It's pretty cool. I've known them for the last couple of years. We've done some singing together in the streets for social justice. And um, you guys have been married how many years? It'll be 49 years in August. Wow. And um, I know, Steve, you're a retired middle school teacher and current badass activist and <laughs> many, many other things. And Bobby, I love that you taught sex ed in public schools for 20 years. Uh, almost. Long, long time? Yeah. Yeah, long time. Um, and I just think you guys are, are so wise and wonderful. I'm so thrilled that you're here with us. Thanks for joining. You're welcome. Here's how thrilled we are. Um, because we have Bobby and Steve today, we're actually going to sort of throw away our usual structure. Whoa. I know. What we're going to do is um, we have three listener questions that we're going to read up front. That's just things that we want as points of emphasis, maybe, to check in about. Um, things that might come up in the flow of conversation. Um, we're even throwing out our usual first question. Whoa. We're just going to have a conversation with Bobby and Steve about their 49-year marriage, which is um, kind of, I mean by any measure amazing i think mm -hmm. um and then uh, we will uh we will do quickies at the end then there will be um a song from bonabana bonabo excitingly indeed and so these questions that we just want to float in the space and then see where we go well one i just would love you guys to share some of your story of like how you met and when you got married and how this ride has been for 49 years and um the questions from listeners that we're going to put in the space are um what do you guys think is most important in a partner you are building a life and family with that's a doozy um also, this one is also a crowdsource question, but we're going to put it in this space too. Um, you, uh, hey, SFSP, you say often that communication is the most important thing and that you should talk to each other about things. But what happens when you have tried your hardest to talk about things and still there are major problems? Where is the line between nobody's perfect and all relationships take work and a partnership that just isn't healthy or working out and should be moved on from? And the last listener question in the space today is um, also, um, I am the mother of two young boys. What do you think is the one thing I should impress upon them in order for them to be the healthiest they can possibly be in sex and love as they get older? So there's our collection of ideas for today. So Bobby and Steve, okay. do you want to start with maybe sharing some of your story? As far as how we met? Yeah. <sighs> I'll start. Is that okay? Go right ahead. Okay. Um, uh, all right. Uh, we met on a blind date. <laughs> I don't know what that's called these days, but um, I was a sophomore in high school, and I was 15 years old, and I was dating a boy <laughs> <laughs> who was a year older than me Ooh. who lived down the block uh and he was not too exciting and uh and just very quickly um i had gone on a date with him and we had gone bowling and my mother warned me before never let a boy no never beat a boy you know let you know <laughs> Let him win no matter what. And I said, Mom, you're nuts. That's crazy. You know? anyway, <laughs> I love you, Bobby. <laughs> long, long story short, I played, I bowled, and I won. Okay? He, well, he broke up with me. No uh, loss. No loss. Right. Uh -huh. Then my, his, his friend who lived near, nearby said, you know, and my friend were dating. And uh, they said to me one day, would you like to meet, a, you, know, some, a, you know, another boy? So I said, sure, why not? So, it was Steve. And I will just say that the most interesting thing was when I would speak to this other young man on the phone, he was boring. We would listen to each other breathe. I spoke to Steve on the phone. I was enlightened, you know, immediately. Mm. He was intriguing. He was interesting. And I didn't have to listen to him breathe on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> 
so we we talked on the phone that's how we met and then we met in person and do you want to go from there babe um i remember that uh, our first date was to the movies and interestingly enough the title of the movie was the misfits okay <laughs> this is marilyn monroe and clark gable and montgomery clift and eli wallach so nobody and, famous is what you're saying and arthur miller's right. script yeah okay. right but just the just the idea of the misfits and the rest being history between us is is an interesting irony, I guess. And where was this happening? This was in, um, I, I lived on the south shore of Long Island. Okay. And she lived on the north shore. And um, so the the twain met. And, and it was on and off for, um, the year was 1961. When we met. Yeah. And it was um, on and off, uh, mostly on, but, but for a while off for the next couple of years. Um, I, w I was in uh, Queens College at the time. Bobby was still in high school. Um, and uh, we, we got, uh, af af after three years or so of... Um, turbulence by which i mean bobby's parents weren't all that excited about her connecting with me why well uh i i think maybe bobby should should talk about <laughs> wh what it was about me that that irked them or made them fearful or oh i'll jump in if i am intrigued <laughs> Okay. Um, first, uh, my parents always wanted me to, I was programmed to meet Jewish men, boys, uh, and to marry one. And I just, I don't know why I was not religious. My parents weren't religious, but they went to synagogue and, and so on. But, uh, the thing was, Steve, he, you know, he was Jewish. He came, comes from a Jewish background, but he was an atheist. And I was questioning at that time. So, uh, and his politics, the misfits as far as the movie, mm -hmm. uh, he came from a very different background, progressive uh, activist, and he was extremely knowledgeable. With me, if I ever asked questions, I never got answers. Mm. Um, or they didn't, my parents really didn't know. Uh, and it wasn't malicious or anything. They just really didn't know. But there was this disconnect and, uh, and which they were fearful for me because they felt that I was not thinking for myself. And uh, that was part, part of it. And, but yet, for me, it was, it was fabulous because I had questions. I got answers. And they made sense. It wasn't just something, you know, pulled out of the air that sounded absolutely absurd. I didn't get answers in school. Mm -hmm. I questioned in class. Uh, I questioned a, before I met, just before I met Steve, I questioned a teacher. And this was in 1961. And this was when busing was going on in Boston. Mm -hmm. And my social studies teacher. That's school integration busing? Yes. Okay. And there was integration in our school where I was living in Westbury. And they were busing students, black students in from mm. other communities. Uh, and I questioned my teacher when they were talking about busing, and she made some pejorative response. And I just questioned it. And uh, I was very shy. However, word got around that I questioned the teacher. I got on my bus to go home. And I was told, and it's the first time I ever heard these kind of words and language, I was told by the students on my bus that I was on the wrong bus, that the bus in front of us was where all the black students were, and they called me a nigger lover. And I never really heard that before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was really upset, disturbed. Anyway, I got home, I couldn't even tell my parents because I didn't know what they would say. But the next day, uh, when I got to school, the black students came up to me and thanked me for speaking out in class. That's when I start to find my political voice because I realized I had to say something. Mm. And, uh, and when I met Steve, it all started to jive. 
Wow. So. And Steve, what was it about Bobby that you're like, this one? Uh, exactly what you just heard. <laughs> um, plus, quite frankly, she looked good. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, says Still I. Still does. <laughs> um, August, we were, our wedding was planned uh, for August 29th, which was a Sunday, 1965. And on Thursday, August 26, 1965, Johnson signed a proclamation stating that any man, uh, it was man at the time, I just realized that, thinking any man married after midnight that night would be considered single, therefore draftable. And my mother and I were in the car on our way to do some last-minute preparations for the wedding, and uh, we heard this announcement. And uh, and my mother was very, you know, she said to me at one point when we were walking around the store, she said, she says, we can't do this. We, you know, you and Steve got to get married tonight. So I said, yeah, right. So we, we get back in the car trying to figure out how this was going to happen. We went to our rabbi, asked if the rabbi could uh, conduct the ceremony. He said no. Uh, because, or he, No, I'm sorry. He wasn't home. Then we went to the cantor, who was also going to be conducting the ceremony, and he said no um, uh, because he was going to be part of the ceremony on Sunday, but he gave us a name of somebody. I mean, and it just wasn't working out. So, And then we get back to my, my house, and my mother's friend is pacing in the front of our house saying that she, you know, Bobby and Steve have to get married tonight. And she had a connection to a Supreme Court justice of New York State. Wow. So, uh, and, and, uh, and she called him to say, you know, very good friends and so on. Our daughter's supposed to get married. And could you perform a ceremony tonight? And he said, well, first he said no. And she said, but they have their marriage license. So, okay. So we said, great, we made the time. And now this, uh, it was on Long, uh, on Long Island where we had to go. Now, Steve, well, first, first things first, we realized we had to let Steve's parents know. <laughs> All right? Details, details, details. How yeah, about no. letting Steve know? <laughs> and, and right, we had to let Steve know. So we, but first called Steve's parents. And the thing was that night we were supposed to have a, a, a wedding rehearsal and Steve was supposed to bring the wedding rings that were going to be put in the vault. Now, okay, so we call his mom. And, of course, his mother said, of course, yes. You know, we gave her all the details and so on. And then we realized, well, how are we going to get to Steve? No cell phones. Uh-huh. So, uh, Fortunately. I, okay, you take since, over now. Since Steve don't do jewelry. Right. It wasn't on his mind to do jewelry, and he had forgotten the wedding rings. And it wasn't until he got to school, Queens College, that he realized, oh, he forgot the wedding rings. So I went to a phone booth, that's what they had in those days, and I called my mother, and I said, Mom, I forgot the wedding rings uh, for the rehearsal. Don't please bring them. And she said, of course, I'll bring them. You're getting married tonight. <laughs> and I said, no, no, you, Ma, you know, we're, we're getting married Sunday. Tonight's just the rehearsal. And she said, no, no, no. Tonight is your wedding. And it went on like this. Had and you she heard ex- about the Johnson? I had not. Oh, okay. I had I was in school at the time. I was about to go to the next class when I made this phone call. And so she explained the whole deal to me. And I said, uh, and she told me where to go and, and that sort of thing. And I went into class. I remember going into class. And before class started, I just said to, has anybody heard about this uh, executive decision that uh, Johnson has made about the draft? And a couple of people in the class said, yes, yes, unless you're married by uh, the end of today, uh, you're still going to be considered uh, eligible for the draft. So I said to everybody in the class, well, I guess I'm getting married today then. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I calmly finished class and I'm in my, you know, ratty summer clothes. And um, I drive to 
to to meet these folks. We we had we had Bobby and my parents and her parents, and we had agreed on some place up near uh, the North Shore of Long Island. The the judge lived in in Kings Point, uh, a very very ritzy uh, up upscale neighborhood in in on Long Island, and. Uh, it took us quite a long time to find his house because uh, the neighborhood was unfamiliar to us and the streets are windy and they're not at all in a grid shape and so on. And I was getting nervous because it was um, 11.15 p.m. Oh, my God. I feel like we need a soundtrack to this story. Yeah. So somewhere around 11.40 p.m., we get to the judge's house and he's got somebody else there that he's marrying. I'm surprised there wasn't a line out the door, actually. Probably only because it was so hard to find this guy's house, and it was exceptional. And I'm sweating, and I'm checking my watch and everything. (laughs) I'm going, hurry up with this. And finally, at about a quarter to midnight, we were married. Wow. And um, so so three days later, of course, we couldn't cancel our, our already scheduled wedding because that's when folks were invited. Can I interject? Go, into, go ahead and interject. Okay. Because this is an interesting part because of still that night, but we went out with our family <laughs> to celebrate, right? That with the, the marriage. <clears throat> and, at, and, and then it was time to leave. And my mother said to me, say goodnight, Mrs. Siegelbaum, to Mr. Siegelbaum. Uh-huh. You are coming home with us. And I'm like, what? <laughs> We're married. No, you're not. You're not married. Not in the eyes of God. And I looked at her and I'm like, what are you talking about, Ma? No, no, no. You have to come home. Uh, So I went home with them. The next morning, I got up and I drove to Steve's house. His parents, you know, were always very open and this kind of stuff. I get to his house, ring the doorbell, and you know, I wanted to see. I wanted to see my husband. <laughs> uh, so um, anyway, his uh, his mother said no. I couldn't go upstairs to see him because he sleeps in his underwear. And I'm like, what is going on here? This conspiracy. It was that on that Saturday, there's a special thing that you know men are supposed to go th- through before they get married. Let me just interject on your interjection. Let <laughs> go right these, ahead. These were the days for for our younger listeners. These were the days when parents could delude themselves that that their offspring hadn't had sex before marriage. Uh huh. So so they could say, oh no, you. you, you <laughs> You have to wait till you're married. To Can't have see sex. him in his underwear. And I think like, you'd be surprised about how much that still happens. That's the really yeah, yeah. oh, that's too bad. <laughs> well, may, maybe there's a need for that kind of delusion. I don't know, self delusion. Well, that was it. But you know, but there was this religious ceremony that he said he would do for my parents mm. on the Saturday before the Sunday of our our wedding, and he had to be called up to the Torah and and whatever he read, read it does, you know, what he needed to read, and that would. We were supposed to do that. So anyway, um, but then we had our wedding on Sunday and, and, mm. and. On Sunday, people were asking me, Steve, aren't you nervous? Are you getting, I said, me nervous? No way. <laughs> I was. This is, a, I was nervous Thursday, <laughs> but this is a snap. No, I was nervous. It was my big day. I had my wedding gown. I mean, it was something that was, you know, drilled into me. This is what you do. And, and, mm. uh, but I liked it. Yeah. Did it kind of cut the nervousness for the fact that it, you had actually, you in the eyes of the state, you had been married on, on Thursday, or was it still nerve-wracking? It was just, I think it was just, the, not for him, I mean, not for him at all, but for me only because it was just the whole public, know, celebration, public celebration, the eye, like, that kind yeah. of thing. Gotcha. Well, and then, so here we are 49 years later, Yeah. and I want to like, oh man, as I was saying, I want to like talk for three hours and hear more detail about the whole story but if you could give like a two to five minute like highlights reel of the wild ride of the last 49 years uh what would you say wild ride (laughs) wild ride i i i would say that i would uh, six words um of greatest importance from my perspective Mm. but um the six words are Respect, passion, respect, passion, respect, passion. That's six words. 
that those mm. are most important for me. Huh. And I've, the passion part is extremely important, and it's not just a physical. Uh, and uh, I mean, like, we are very passionate about what we believe in. We're very passionate when we argue. We, have, we are very passionate when we make love. We are very passionate when we are exposed to new things, you know, and uh, there are times when we're not with each other and, you know, he sees something new and he'll come, you know, wish I were there and vice versa. Uh, and it's just that kind of thing. And, uh, and there are times when we have so much history. Yeah. Uh, I have to remind myself and it reminds me that where we've come from, what we've been through, I mean, we've been very lucky. None of it has been life threatening, but just things that we have experienced, um, that, and that's the passion that keeps us together. I mean, there are times he, you know, we may argue and there are times I'm very, very, very upset with him and I'm passionately angry and uh you know and i'll think about it and i'll talk to myself um and uh, you know i try to work it through and then i try to also present to steve in a, in a way because if i do it right away it's not going to come out it'll just come out being very negative and attackful and attacking mm -hmm. i try to hold back and do something you know to settle myself and then find a way to say something mm -hmm. So, to hope, so that we, he may be listening. It doesn't always work. There's no perfection. It's just learning how to deal with it and realizing what it is about us that keeps us together. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, there's no, I, I think everybody is different. And uh, I, I can't imagine living without him. Mm -hmm. And that's the bottom line. And then, then there are times I keep thinking if, what it would be like if he wasn't around. And then I, it makes me crazy. <laughs> and in the past uh, 49 years, you, you, you have uh, made other people and introduced them into the world, right? Oh, yes. Two. Two. <laughs> Two wonderful, intelligent, beautiful daughters. Okay. And who, you guys have grandkids, and, too. Yes. And uh, today we were all together um, and, and it was nice. It was three generations of moms, Steve's mother, who's 95, my mother in California, who's 89, was not with us, uh, and my daughters and their husbands and our three grandchildren. Mm. And uh, it's, I love it. I just absolutely love it. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of um, just like what a powerful thing it is to be together as long term as you guys have and to meet when you're as young as you were mm. when you met and my parents also met when they were 14 and I think a lot about like when you meet someone that young and then like can build all of your hopes and expectations and dreams around them like that does seem like very uh very strong and powerful and I know other people who met later in life and also um our, our rock in the long-termness thing or, or not. And that's working for them. But I, um, I think about a lot about people meeting later and then having like developed as individuals, mm -hmm. uh, more fully and strongly before letting their lives be intertwined. And I think, um, I don't know this, the, and then this question of like, what is most important in a long-term partner? I think like maybe maybe it rings the same or maybe it rings different in those contexts. I'm not sure. Um, what do you guys think? Or what would you say to people maybe of our generation who are meeting later and having very present with these questions? So respect and passion is the most important thing. What are other things that you would say? Yeah, I, I think be, having met and gotten married so young and, and looking back these 49 years, I can realize that on the one hand, we didn't know diddly about what was going on. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and so it could have, because we're very different people. And, and even as we've grown together and individually over this time, we each have changed in different ways. For, for one example, I used to be 
more of a night person. But now I, I function better early in the morning. Bobby has difficulty getting started in the morning. <laughs> um, and so that, that almost reversal uh, could produce friction and occasionally produces friction. But what it is, we learn how, to, as Bobby has suggested, we learn how to deal with that. Um, my concept of time is very different from hers. <clears throat> Yes. Uh, Which one of yours is right? Let me just ask, put that in. Just kidding. I'm joking. Sorry. <laughs> Which one of you has the correct conception of time? <laughs> oh, me. Of course. <laughs> and, and if I acknowledge that she does, you see, that's the secret. <laughs> we, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, I operate at a much faster pace. Um, and sometimes she says, well, you know, at your age now, you, you need to think about slowing down. But I, I think about it, but I don't do it. <laughs> you know, uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby operates at a slower pace. And that, and whoa, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that, can, cause fr <laughs> that can cause friction. But we, we deal with that. We figure out how to, how to manage Bobby, that. Bobby, you had something to say yeah, there. Yeah, friction. <laughs> Uh, s slower pace, different, more, mm. I'm just more aware. Uh, there are more things going on. And, you know, as far as trying to organize myself, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I do sometimes walk out the door and leave something if I'm feeling I'm being rushed. Uh, sometimes I just do it because I forgot. Um, but, uh, he, he, Steve operates in a different universe. And, but for him is leaving at a particular time, getting there. If you're, if you're there 10 minutes before time, you're, you're almost late. Mm -hmm. I, I'm used to that. Like I, and but we, this is an ongoing thing. So, you know, I try to kind of blow it off. Like coming here. I mean, we live in the Bronx, you know, and he thought, you know, like leaving an hour and a half. I know where he's coming from. Okay. We, you know, there's traffic. Yes, there was parking. No problem today. Uh -huh. You know, uh, and, uh, but we do that. I mean, and sometimes, you know, I, I mean, it's personalities. Yes. Personality differences. To put, like to put it simply, I'd rather be 15 minutes early. She doesn't mind being 15 minutes late. But most often we're not ever right. late. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> See, we find the happy medium. Right. right. What were you about to say, Dave? I feel like this, this rings true for stuff that happened in, in our partnership as well where uh -huh. like i think that i would say uh, i think that stephanie would say that i can't focus and i would say that she can't multitask <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yeah that's fair but and i'm this is these questions of compatibility are strong and i i just spent each of the last two evenings having a long heart-to-heart -heart evening with a close friend of mine who just ended uh what for them was a very long-term relationship a couple of years you know at least yeah. a significant person in their lives and people that you know was there was so much that was great about it and then it it just it really stopped working for them and i'm thinking about um about that line between what is you know stuff to be worked through and nobody's perfect and everybody has incompatibilities and then like i don't know for uh for new listeners to the podcast, a little background on Dave and me, like um, Dave and I were partners for six years and lived together for five years. And I say all the time that like my life is better in every way because of the connection that we shared and how deep we got to go together. And yeah. it is a privilege to know you and to have been your partner. And also like, it feels really good that we realize that like we're not aligned in a life building sense. Yeah. And that had to do with some of this compatibility stuff. And I feel like, um, and I'm so glad that we are awesome podcast co-hosts and still dear, dear friends. And like, I, I can't imagine my life without Dave in it. And also like, we're not life partners. And, and then I Absolutely. think about my friends that I was talking to the last two nights and like, I've been present with them as they navigate, like, is this somebody I'm going to want to really dig in with, with long-term intentions or, um, uh, or is this like just not a match and not fulfilling like some, some deep needs I had and neither of the decisions were flippant. There's great love in both cases. And so, um, 
I'm interested in what everybody, Dave too, and, and everybody thinks just about like, how do you navigate that line or like, you know, the, this time thing and other things are things to work through. And then like, I don't know, and Bobby and Steve, are there things that almost broke you? Oh. I also just want to throw out, like, I feel about, I feel how intense my connection with you felt and, and, you know, through living together five years and that yeah. you have lived together 10 times as long. I'm just knowing, yeah. I, I don't know if it's like a logarithmic scale or it goes, it keeps steadily increasing what that, I can't, I, I'm can't imagine what that feels like and i'm so yeah it's so intriguing to think about and hear about what that connection must be like oh and also i just have to soapbox for a minute that i personally believe that just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it's a failure or just because a relationship lasts lifelong doesn't mean it's like the best or like sure but i also do that experience is intense regardless Yeah. yeah 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 i'm i'm trying to think in terms of part of is how, when I kind of mentioned earlier, how things are so different. I mean, every generation. Uh, My grandmother got married when she was 18. My mother got married when she was 18. I was kind of programmed that way. When I turned 18, one of my grandfathers kind of thought I was going to be an old maid, even though I had him in my life. But but it it was interesting because... um, Hmm. Picking up from what Bobby's saying, I, I think some of it may have to do with points in time or his, historically, yeah. people are, are living longer now, so it may have been more urgent to get married younger 50, 70, 100 years ago mm-hmm. than it is now. Um, that's, that's interesting. That's I hadn't just, thought of that. Just, one one possibility yeah. something concrete that that happened literally today on our way here another difference between uh bobby and me <laughs> is uh the way we feel temperature i'm i'm uh less bothered by um heat she's less bothered by cold um so on the way here we were stopped in traffic in the car and i just lowered the the window a little and um she said let's put the air conditioner on and i don't i'm not thrilled with air conditioning unless it gets really hot and it wasn't all that hot at least the way i saw it so well she really wanted the air conditioning on. I wanted the window. I thought the breeze coming in was fine. Well, it turned out that we decided to compromise. We put the air conditioning on, and I left the window open. <laughs> my parents had and this, that worked. That they always talked about that my my dad would um, turn the air conditioner on full blast. My mom would reach forward and close her vents. He'd turn it down, and she'd open her vents back up. <laughs> and they go. would do this independent thing. Stop opening them. He's like, well, stop turning it all the way up. Huh. That that's a that's a, a, not an unusual thing in a couple. I'm also mm. sitting on the side where the sun is coming in mm. very mm. strong, and I am very sensitive to heat. Mm. But he drives me crazy at home. <laughs> With temperature. Uh-huh. So and we are constantly, this is a, the temperature dance. We everybody do. has these temperature yes. dances, these time dances or things like that. And like yes. every partnership's going to. So like what has sustained you guys then through 49 <laughs> years? Or like what, you know, like temperature hasn't broken you, uh, you know. Sleep uh, schedules. Yeah. Or sleep patterns. Right. Uh, I mean, it, that's a really hard question because it's one of these, you know, pick your battles. Uh, I, I have thought for years, okay, if I ever want, was going to leave him, I put too much, I put so much love and effort and time into what we have together. And we have two wonderful children. We have three fabulous, you know, granddaughters. I mean, there's no, there's no abuse. There's, you know, we have a good relationship. It's just personality traits that sometimes piss us off mm-hmm. <laughs> and we react so it's like, you know, picking your battles, kind of standing back, knowing that eventually it will pass. Um, there are times where I would like to go off on my own, and that's okay, too. 
Sometimes you do need to separate your, yourself. Um, I've read a thing where the, the, the couples that are most um, long-term and most fulfilled are those that take time for themselves or like reportedly do that or like at least travel alone once a year yeah. or something like that. Steve goes to Nicaragua because he's involved in this particular sister city project. And uh, I, when he first started doing that, I, I missed him so much. He wasn't there, you know, like, I, oh, I wanted to share this and, you know, and so on and so forth. But it was also became, for me, I, because I'm very comfortable with my, myself and being alone. I really don't mind being alone. I kind of like it because I can really think for myself without having somebody else around watching what I'm doing. Hmm. Uh, so I've learned over time that it's a good thing. So he has his, and he's doing some wonderful work, and I respect that. And I, I think that it's true. It's very important to be able to separate and come back. Bobby alluded to something before. So regarding my time in Nicaragua, um, the, the experiences that I've had there are so profound, extraordinarily profound, that I do wish she were there, not because I miss her, although that's that's there, but that's not the reason. I wish she were there to share the experience. Mm. When, when, when I experience almost anything, I, I really want her to partake in or, or just share that, that experience with me. But I, I understand that that's not something she can do. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's fine. Hmm. Uh, and here you guys talk I'm again as I like to do just like checking in with myself and like I long-term investment in people is really really important to me deeply important to me I don't know in terms of the kind of family I want to build um what that uh wants to look like or I'm I'm I, I've been really excited to see, um, relationships like yours that are like super long-term and partnered and, um, and robust with family in that sense. I also really like the sort of increasing consciousness around expanded definitions of family, like, um, mm -hmm. I guess I just want to throw this perspective in as we're talking about the awesomeness of long-termness. Just like I know a couple of roommates and close friends who are not romantically or sexually involved and they are like, they are, I think they even made a contract. I don't know that that's always important, but they made a contract of like, we are in it with each other. We are a family. We're going to support each other through thick and thin. And of course that may end just like anything may end. But, and um, I, you know, I know of like, there are cases when there are three people in love and they make a family and adopt children. There are cases where a, a single mom adopts a kid there. Um, and I guess I'm honestly not sure for myself in terms of like the, I think you guys are a shining example where the, the collection of things, um, let's say like romance and attraction and deep compatibility and um, building a home together and having children together, those work really beautifully for you. And I'm thinking for myself, like those, um, each of those elements like may not be important to me to have like in one partnership. And I'm just, this is less of a soapbox than just wanting to like sure. put that perspective in the air. And I'm curious, Dave, where you are with all that, if you have thoughts on like, what are you do you, are you have a sense of like a kind of family that you're looking to build or um uh y you know it's not something that i think about really um i feel like i feel like uh you know i have the the family my family of origin mm -hmm. and i have a lot of people who are really close in my life i feel like you and i are family and are going to be mm -hmm. regard i mean we we no longer share a romantic or sexual connection but like we're family like i feel like we're in this mm -hmm. and uh and, and um so i i think that um i would say for myself i don't foresee there being 
a, um, a, a partnership like yours of somebody that I can see myself building a home with and being, uh, so keeping a home and especially raising children and being romantically and politically and sexually and friend friendship wise, totally connected with, um, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I think I th- all those feel like separate things to me. And sometimes they, sometimes they combine in various combinations. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, I've put a lot of thought into making that okay, because I feel like this is a shiny example of, of an amazing, um, amazing relationship. And also I feel like sometimes this, it's the only kind that's shown as valid. Mm-hmm. Make any sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that, um, well, as a health educator, sex, sex educator, I mean, there, it, things are very different. I mean, people evolved. Like I started to say before, I was kind of programmed to get married. Do you have, you know, you have children and you kind of go on with your life. But uh, I have grown and changed, uh, and and he was very supportive. I mean, I dropped out of of uh, college, which is another story. <laughs> um, with with him, I I was an art major, and I wanted to go to uh, to art school, and I ended up at the University of Cincinnati School of Art, Design, and Architecture, and I went there, and I was picking schools around where Steve was. He was at Marietta College in Ohio because I wanted to be near where he was because my parents were hoping I would go away and get married and meet somebody else, you know, and so on. (laughs) Uh, The thing is, I mean, all the different connections. What happened was I was going to go to his, um, what do you call it? Uh, homecoming. Homecoming. Thank you. Going to his. Uh, I wasn't going to go to his homecoming. I couldn't. I was in Cincinnati. He's on the other side. Uh, but then when Steve told me he was going with another girl, <laughs> like I was like irate. You know, like how can you do that? But anyway, I just said to him, "Okay, you tell so and so that your girlfriend is coming, and you're going to be." With he said, "Really? You know, I mean, he accepted that." Okay. <clears throat> now, this is another thing that's different. We're talking about, you know, as far as relationships and so on and so forth, but there were obstacles we had to meet. I went to University of Cincinnati. At that time, you did not have co-ed dorms. It was just girl dorms and, you know, the boy dorms. Um, and uh, and I, this was Southern Ohio. And that was, uh, yeah, well, and, mm-hmm. I, and I was in Cincinnati and you were in Marietta, but... Um, <clears throat> So what happened was I had to sign a paper uh, and my parents had to sign a paper that I was allowed to go off campus without my parents' permission. They, they, that was the most liberal thing they ever did. Scandalous. Thank, right. Good, thank goodness. Uh, so that was, I was able to leave. I went, I took a bus. I told him he, he, he was very excited that I was going to come. I took a bus uh, to Marietta. He met me there and again in those days you know no they no co-ed dorms he took me to a motel that was on campus which they made him sign in and um and he can go up to bring my luggage up for five minutes and then come on on down right and then he took me and this was around midnight he took me to his dorm, he had told his friends and roommates about me and so on. Would you like to pick up from there, babe? Um, seriously, long story short, when I brought it to the dorm to meet my friends, um, we were intercepted by the um, um, RA, um, poor fellow, and, uh, and were duly reported to the dean and um that that was a, a saturday or a sunday and uh, a day or two later i was told to leave the school mm. kicked out whoa girl in the dorm um i had some law and and i was ki- kicked out uh interesting uh follow-up to that was i did have some very good close loyal friends at at the school uh, two of them in particular were a little crazy, which was a good thing. Uh, 
what they did was for the rest of that semester they made life unlivable absolutely miserable for this ra who took it upon himself to leave the school in the middle of his senior year he couldn't handle the harassment that was being visited upon him wow which was great the the, the final upshot was i returned to the school after missing a semester um and it had a, a there was another there was another positive aspect to it which was that it prolonged the time that i was uh not draftable as long as i had that student um <laughs> deferment there's the, the, why i slap my forehead during this it's just i know this is still happening and maybe to a lesser extent but how much effort is put into making sure that people don't experience physical pleasure oh <laughs> man good point we have yeah. how much yeah. how much society works to make sure that we don't feel good in our bodies uh-huh. that's fucking mind blow why yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and i was but, thinking oh go ahead no i was just going to say the most Wonderful thing out of this, though, I mean, he was kicked out, but the night, I did not go back to the motel, did not go back to, this is before he was kicked out. We spent the night talking under a tree and sleeping under a tree on campus. It was, I can say, one of the most romantic beautiful right special nights mm. together that's fantastic that's gorgeous and i mean it wasn't about sexual intercourse we weren't pardon me we weren't having sexual intercourse yet i was not yet no no we did a lot of other stuff i mean <laughs> but uh yeah thanks right. All right. <laughs> Anyway, but it was, but so it was, you know, it was the closeness, the physical, there's, that's what people don't understand. It's like, you know, it's like A, you go right to Z. It's like, no, there's a lot of wonderful, you know, time and pleasure together mm. in between. Mm. And uh, we didn't know, I mean, I'm listening to you and like, I didn't think about these things like long term, you know, like what it's going to be. Do I want one partner? I just knew I loved him. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't make that right or wrong for it's, you know, it's different. And I, you know, as a teacher and and loving to talk to young people and young adults, I'm, I've grown and it's helping me with my grandchildren Mm. because I was a very open mother, but my grandchildren, the oldest who are going to be 14, this is another world. And Mm. I have, you know, two, uh, well, two grandsons, uh, just like the question, right? I wrote just it, like yeah. the question, and yeah. one granddaughter, and uh, and and just today I had a conversation with my grandson because of a little incident and so on. But I have a connection with him, and that he'll talk to me. He opens up to me, and he is a very caring, sensitive kid. Uh, and you know, allowing him to to deal with that, and sometimes he has some issues. Um, and I will not have him listen to this cause I don't, you know, I'm sharing mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's confident. Same thing with my, my granddaughter. And, and I think it's really important because we are aware we want, hopefully they'll be aware to prevent certain, you know, anxiety and pain and yet wanting them to be kids. Uh-huh. You know, kids are growing up and doing things earlier and earlier when I was teaching and I retired 12 years ago the stuff that used to come back to me from what was going on in middle school and my grandchildren are now graduating from middle school and I, it blew my mind, but I learned a lot from my students Mm -hmm. as well. And so it was a back and forth thing. Um, but with, with boys, I didn't, didn't know not that I didn't know much about boys, but I had two daughters, but, uh, my daughters, you know, bringing up their sons, well, my daughter is bringing up her two sons, my younger daughter, in a way, keeping him, you know, trying to help him to be open and not stifling the fact that, you know, he's a boy in a society that has all kinds of um, word, uh, has all kinds of influences that mm-hmm. may not be positive. And yeah. he has a cousin. So he, you know, the two of them, they're four weeks apart. They're like this. Mm, that's so, lovely. so they can also share. And 
all of these conversations are so expansive and you guys are so wonderful and fascinating. We are, we definitely need to move on from here, but thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. This was awesome. And now on to quickies. I have a song, my favorite song about long-term connection. Most of you probably know it. It is, uh, or, or the nerds out there anyway. Um, Stephen Sondheim's Sorry Grateful that I just, uh, I think about a lot when I think about long-term connections. It's from Dick Tracy? <laughs> it's from Company. Okay. Um, so I'll sing it a little faster than it normally goes. And you should forgive my performance and look up the real ones. But it goes... You're always sorry, you're always grateful, you're always wondering what might have been. Then she walks in, and still you're sorry, and still you're grateful, and still you wonder, and still you doubt. Then she walks out. Everything's different, nothing's changed, only maybe slightly rearranged. You're, um, you're always sorry, you're always grateful. Um, you hold her thinking, I'm not alone, you're still alone. You don't live for her, you do live with her. You, oh, this is, you, you're scared she's starting to drift away and scared she'll stay. Good things get better, bad get worse. Wait, I think I meant that in reverse. You're sorry, grateful, regretful, happy. I forget this line. Da, 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 da. Then you'll always be what you always were, which has nothing to do with, all to do with her. Bravo. Dave. Um, uh, last night from when we're recording this, uh, it was the last round of the NFL draft. Um, and for the first time in NFL history and actually in American professional sports history, a, an out gay player was selected to be a major league football player. That's huge. Um, Michael Sam to the St. Louis Rams. And um, there were so many good reactions on Twitter uh, 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 to this. One saying, uh, the, the tweet of God, who is somebody that I love on there, saying, um, I'd like to congratulate Michael Sam for being the uh, first openly professional football player in the gay community. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of people, because there was, the, there was a, you know, some, some response on ESPN that I didn't see about how do I explain this to my kids, and so many good responses, which is like, here are things more difficult to explain to your kids than Michael Sam playing football. How a car works, the sun, anything <laughs> your computer can do, cameras, so just like listening. And then uh, my favorite one was... Um, if you're worried about explaining Michael Sam to your kids, there's a really, really good chance you need your kids to explain Michael Sam to you. That's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Cool. Mm. Okay. Um, there, I have now about 20 things floating around in my head. <laughs> That's always the way. Right. Uh, I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, today there were a few, but I, I'm, there's just so many things and it has to do with sexuality and women. And I'm tired tired you want to rant yes about rant you know about fighting for 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 anybody's rights and and as far as a woman who was part of the liberation mo movement i still am i am tired of signing the same petitions i'm tired of saying the same things i and you know and trying to help my grandchildren i mean i have this in school it's like it's about time that that you know, regardless of one's sexuality, regardless of one's ethnicity, regardless, I mean, people's rights are being trampled daily. And Cecily, Cecily McMillan. McMillan, I mean, that was an atrocity. I mean, the fact that she can get two to seven years for what? And that the jurors wrote letters. I mean, where were they? I mean, why did, how did they come up with, you know, the guilty plea? And I think tomorrow that they're going, the sentencing is going to happen. Mm -hmm. That that's On May 19th is a sentencing. Oh, tomorrow okay. is a rally for support for oh, her. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and it just, it's, it's, that's just a one, a, so many of these things happened daily. And that's my rant. I'm just tired of this. I'm hoping someday but I'm not sure when it'll ever happen where I can just sit back and feel things are at peace and mm. for all. Bobby Daly wears the button that says grandma for peace that I love. 
And Steve? First, you referred to my voice as chocolate. Your voice is silk. <laughs> I love listening to you oh, sing. Oh, thanks, Steve. And, and we were talking about songwriters. Sondheim, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty good, I guess. Yeah, not 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 so bad. <laughs> yeah, right. it's fine. Um, so my my rant is in some way related to what Bobby just said. There, the last couple of years is coming to the fore a, a great deal of news about um, attacks on women, whether whether it's most recently. Um, the, the kidnapping of the students in Nigeria, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, girls in that case, um, um, sexual abuse in the military, um, so much. And, and I used the word respect before, and there's, there's so much going on there, I believe, regarding self-respect to think that males do this and 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 this uh, we could talk about the catholic church and uh, it it seems to pervade every aspect of of society um abuse of women uh it 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 indicates to me that there's something terribly wrong societally psychologically uh with um with males and uh and and this as a society we need we need to seriously address this it's 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 given lip service and 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 the and the horror of it goes on and on and and it just it just bothers me so much it it transcends politics you know i could get political about it and say the best thing would be for for women not to get in the military and gays shouldn't be in the military nor should men be in the military <laughs> nor should straight people be in the military or any combination thereof that's that would be furthering the discussion into a slightly different realm all of our grievances are connected yeah indeed exactly Just a couple of things before we wrap. First, a correction. I mistakenly introduced Steve as a retired middle school teacher, and I'm grateful that Steve corrected me. He was actually a middle school principal when he retired, but he feels very strongly that being a teacher is a lifelong endeavor and something that he would never retire from. And I also would like to share a song with you. It is another demo from that album, Love Songs for the Rest of Us, that I'm currently building with my bandmate, Jillian, and we developed it on that cross-country house concert slash conversation tour that we did last fall. And this song is by far the most intensely personal for me. And I just want to clarify one line where it talks about not walking down the aisle. That speaks to how, for me, I love the idea of long-term commitment and long-term intentions and family building. But for me personally, it's important to me to not engage with the cultural institution of marriage. And more on that and the reasons why, if you're interested, check out episode two with Diana Adams. But this song is called Not the Easiest to Love. And it sits in the tough question of, how can we really hold each other in love, even and especially when it's hard? Female, 
So you went on that ride. But as you got to know yourself better, you realized you were really a man inside. I know I can't imagine what it feels like in your skin. How hard that must have been for you to realize. With all my heart, I celebrate you fully as you are. But still, I feel a loss when you're not who I recognize. You're not the easiest to love.、Oh. You're not the easiest to love. But all you are is all that you should ever, ever be. Maybe love isn't love if it's easy. Maybe love isn't love if it's easy. Love isn't love if it's easy. Maybe love isn't love. Wonderful parents, and who they hoped I'd be. The ways we make sense of this world run far deeper than differently. My father grieves that he will never walk me down the aisle, and I'm so devastated that that's true. None of us sets out in life to break somebody's heart. But somehow we inevitably do. I'm not the easiest to love. Whoa, I'm not the easiest to love. But all I am is all that I should ever, ever be. Maybe love isn't love if it's easy. Maybe love isn't love if it's easy. Love isn't love if it's easy. Maybe love isn't love if it's easy. That's it for episode 15. Thanks again so much to Bobby and Steve and to Priska Wenger, who did our logo, and Alex Mallory, who did our website redesign. And thank you so much to all of you for tuning in and for downloading and for being a part of this conversation with us. And our next episode is very special. We actually did it in. The context of a live taping in Brooklyn. And our guest of honor is Francisco Ramirez. And he started his career offering free advice on relationships, sex, and dating in public parks in New York City. And he's now worked for over 15 years in the field. And he works with global organizations, including the United Nations and MTV, and is so all around awesome. And it's an honor to have him with us. And our Next crowdsource question, we actually addressed a little bit in this episode, but we would love to discuss it more and we would love to hear from you. It is, oh, I should sing the theme song. Crowdsource question, yeah! It is. Hey, SFSP, you say often that communication is the most important thing and that you should talk to each other about things, but what happens when you have tried your hardest to talk about things and still there are major problems? Where do you think is the line between nobody's perfect and all relationships take work and a partnership 
that just isn't healthy or working out and should be moved on from. So please write to us or call us if you have thoughts on that. And of course, if you have thoughts on anything, we like to think of any and every question as a crowdsource question. And we love hearing from you. Please send your thoughts, objections, ideas about anything and everything. And our content is now and always will be free. But if you dig what we do, we ask that you consider becoming our patron. You can go to patreon.com slash sex for smart people. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash sex for smart people. And you can pledge a buck or two or five or ten per episode. And that would help us out so much. Um, But above all, again, thank you so much for being in this conversation with us. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Intelligence is sexy to me. Mother Nature is very sexy. Giving a shit is very sexy. Mm. I second giving a shit, but I will also say eye contact is the sexiest. <laughs>